You're listening to Trek FM. Want to join in the conversation and share your thoughts on this episode? Join the Babel Conference, our listeners' discussion group on Facebook. Just type B-A-B-E-L into the Facebook search field, and we look forward to seeing you there. This is Steve Sansweet of Rancho Obi-Wan, and you're listening to the 602 Club. Welcome to the 602 Club, Track FM's local watering hole, coming at you from, well, the best bar in Arendelle. I am just one of your hosts here, Matthew Rushing, and with me, as she is always, the effervescent Christy Morris. And slightly frozen this time, might you say. <laughs> just slightly. Just a wee <laughs> bit frozen. <laughs> but loving it you know the cold never bothered me anyway that's what i hear that's what i hear which is good which is good so uh we're so glad to be back here uh we hope that you are gonna have a great holiday week here in the united states and everywhere else you know if you're well happy thanksgiving regardless uh we're we're thankful that you're here listening to the 602 club just a quick reminder, of course, you know you can find us wherever you get your podcasts, wherever you're doing that. Make sure you're subscribed. It definitely makes sure that you get the episode as soon as it drops. Uh, help the show grow. You know, if you like the 602 Club, please do give us a star rating and review over there on Apple Podcasts. It's still the main place that people get podcasts. And so when they're searching for podcasts... The more reviews you have, the better. So, And then we read those reviews out on the show, just to thank you for doing that. Mm-hmm. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash trekfm. We've on, we're on Twitter at trekfm. And maybe you'd like to talk with other listeners around the world. You can do that on the Listeners Only Discussion Group, which is called the Babel Conference. It's housed on Facebook. What you'll need to do, just go to Facebook, type Babel into the search field, or go to the website at track.fm and any of the show pages that you're perusing. There's a button that says discussion that will let you in as well. And while you're on Track FM, you can send us an email. So go to the contact section, choose the 602 Club, and then that email comes to Christy and I. We want to say a huge thank you to the people who support this show and make it possible for it to come to you each and every week. We have a great list of associate producers here through Patreon. Ken Tripp, Davis Grayson, Wyan Millette, and Daniel Noah. Thank you so much, guys. We really appreciate your support here as patron members uh, and associate producers at the 602 Club. Now, what that means is, is that they support the network each and every month to make sure that the content here comes to you each and every month. Not just for the 602 Club, but the entire network. And if you've looked at our list and catalog of podcasts there are so many coming to you each and every week and there's no way we can do that by ourselves here as the host so go to patreon.com slash track and see how you can become a part of our team every little bit helps we've got some great contribution levels too but again it's patreon.com slash track now uh christy um as we're you know thawing out mm-hmm. um I wonder, just kind of for you, you know, animated sequels are always interesting to me, more so than just about any other type of sequel, honestly. And with getting refrozen, <laughs> um, how are you kind of feeling coming back to Arendelle after 
the original Frozen. So I usually have a pretty firm no sequel po- policy, except for a couple of fandoms that I really love, like Star Wars or Harry Potter, those kind of thing. Um, I felt like a lot of times when I've seen a sequel to a movie like this to either Frozen or Lion King or something like that, it, the first one was so big, so larger than life. How could you possibly follow up to that and still have something that could do it justice and not break down the story that you came up with in the previous movie. So it, I really had high hopes for Frozen 2, but wasn't expecting a lot. And I was really surprised uh, by a lot of the things in Frozen 2 that I felt like were so much better than many sequels I've seen. But definitely to Lion King 2. So <laughs> what about you? I think I'm right there with you in the sense that when it comes to animated sequels, you know, and the reason I th- I think that I'm with you on that, where you are, which is like, yeah, I don't really necessarily want a sequel to that, is because I feel like for animated sequels, we're we're in a place where, for the most part, those stories are one and done. You know, you've you've maximized the story mm-hmm. for those characters usually in one film, and and part of that too is you know a lot of animated movies, especially when you think about like Disney movies, you know, um, they're not stories that are original, you know, they're stories that are based off of something. So like Cinderella, right? You know, <laughs> we right. know what happens at the end of Cinderella, and there isn't more to the story, and so. I think, you know, with these these characters here, it's a little bit easier to do a sequel, um, but I still always am a little bit trepidatious. And and part of that is because my my thought is, do they really have a good story? Do they really have a story that is worth telling? Or is this all just about, you know, we made a ton of money and we need to make a ton more money with, you know, a second film. And right. and I just worry sometimes like that it's it isn't about story. Um and that, you know, I, I think uh that that's something that that bothers me um when it comes to just uh, honestly any sequel, but when I'm thinking of like an animated sequel, for some reason in my brain, it it seems like it's going to be even more egregious when it comes to the idea of like, we're, we're just Shrek 1, so we do Shrek 2, and then Shrek 3, and then mm-hmm. Shrek 4, and it's like, by the time you're done, you've killed it. Yeah. To the point where I don't even know if I want to go back to the original, because I kind of have such a bad taste in my mouth. So I think that's where, you know, coming into this, I'm like, okay, I want this to be good, but will it actually be good? That's the question in my mind. Yeah, I think you've pinned it exactly as to why it usually bothers me having animated sequels. It's that aspect of the lack of sincerity by the studio. Mm. I often feel that it's stemming from only wanting the cash grab and not wanting to continue a great story. And so, really, I think that's what it always boils down to that bothers me. I I cannot stand a lack of sincerity. So, I was really, like I said, 
surprised to hear that they were going to do a sequel, sequel, first of all, because originally Frozen came out in 2013, and they didn't mention a part two really till 2017. And then at that point, it felt a little bit like they were rushing. Uh, <laughs> no pun intended. But, you know, it, because n- then they're having this timeline that they have a goal for that they're trying to condense everything down. And then there was that whole rumor of Elsa possibly now having a love interest. And it wasn't that I was against her necessarily having one, but I did feel like where that my mindset was in the same place that the studio ended up in that Elsa's story. She was not ready yet to make that step to have a relationship with another person because she's still dealing with the loss of her parents and with trying to find herself. She's not in a place in her life where she would be ready to share that life with another person outside of her sister. Yeah, no, I can, I think I'm right there with you in, in all the concerns I have coming into this, you know? Um, and I think the other part of it too is, is that, you know, we, you know, we talked about, and I, I obviously, obviously still haven't gotten a chance um, to to read the Snow Queen. Yeah. But knowing how much trouble that they had kind of adapting the story in general, them kind of then creating whole cloth, another story to go along with this, you know, that's the other thing is like, if you really truly want to make a sequel, you, you hopefully are wanting to have it be the best it can be. And, be something where you truly think it may outshine the original. Yes. And I feel like it's very difficult to do that when the original was already so good. And so I I think, I feel like in many ways we're just on the same page kind of coming into this where it's like, okay, um, so this could be good and this, or it could be something that kind of ruins the goodwill i had with the first one yeah and and i guess maybe i guess that we run that risk with every single you know movie that we we do you know like every single movie that we come into but i i don't know to me again with animation i just feel like it's it's even it's even harder to not feel like that that's gonna happen yeah before we truly get into like some some really because this movie goes really deep, um, just overall, then when you came out of the theater, where were you? You know, with with all this kind of trepidation that we both had, mm-hmm. <laughs> I am kind of wondering where did where were you coming out of the theater? Were you, you did you feel like in that it was a worthy enough sequel, um, or did you feel did you have that feeling like man, I I kind of wish that they hadn't gone there. I felt like it completely shocked me how great it was. And maybe I'm giving away too much now, but I I came away from it, first of all, with tears in my eyes. I don't know about you, mm. uh, but it was a, a very an emotional experience for me. I think that they went much deeper this time into mm-hmm. the background of their parents and then also mm-hmm. to um, Anna possibly losing Elsa as well. That just hit me right in the feels, as they say. And um, I was crying and trying not to let the kids around me see that I was crying. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> but yeah, yeah, um, I think I think that's that's where I was too. Um, you know, and it's it's funny sometimes when we're on the same page with that. But I mm-hmm. I think I was in that spot where I was surprised by the movie a great deal, um, and part of that was. And I'll be honest. So at the beginning of the movie, my you know, we're getting into the first couple songs, and especially I think even really the the main first song that we get um, after you know the storyline they tell with the the parents, mm-hmm. the change song. I was just like, mm, some things never change. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, maybe this this is not going to live up, but I, the movie continued, I felt like, to get better and better and better as we went forward. So, again, not to give too much away, but I do think that absolutely 100%, I was surprised where we end up. So, yeah. um, you mentioned the idea that, you know, this is a movie where we we really get into this this family. Um, and we really get into the history of this family. In fact, um, we even start off with, you know, the parents telling them the story about, you know, what happened with their grandfather um, and what happened to, you know, their father when he was young and the forest that existed, you know, mm-hmm. um, north of their kingdom. And so all of that together, really, I liked how this movie kind of became about the truth of history and how important it is that not only is history important but correct history the truth of it exactly Um, because you know the truth of that impacts then the present and the future and we see that play out in the storyline and how everything almost goes horribly wrong because of this misunderstanding of actually what happened in the past Um, and I really appreciated the way that this movie kind of dealt with that. And I thought it was an important thing because it's also an important thing um, for, I think, uh, you know, we're talking about anime movies, we're talking about kids movies, you know, they're really meant to be those those morality tales for kids. And this is a really important part of, of this movie. And it's a really important lesson to learn in life, not just for kids, but adults to remember. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I I think that it was incredible that they tie this to reality, that you're teaching kids this lesson, basically, for one, sort of American history about people coming in and messing with the indigenous people. Um, And then two, how things over time can get warped by opinion of the people that came after that incident and so it gets to the point where it's the grandchildren who have only known what they've been told and even that was incorrect so they think that that you know Arendelle and Northendra are friends and that the bridge was a sign of peace between the two groups to work together but they're seeing that there's still something missing with this whole forest being kept secret and mm-hmm. wondering why then they don't have contact with the Northendra people if that was supposed yeah. to happen. You know, there's just these missing links where they're going, well, we were told this, but then this is the reality. So there's something missing here. So I, I think that that was a good lesson 
and also an interesting way to build on the story that we had in the first movie. It, it gets a little unclear when they try to say there was a group of people from each side that were trapped in time. Did you kind of feel that was confusing? Yeah, um, I, I did. I did. Um, because you had that, it felt like they were enemies, but then it, but then you had this thing where it felt like they'd been living together in the same place, like in the same, I, yeah, that felt really unclear to me. Right. Like, Um, I guess they were trapped in a time bubble. I couldn't tell if, why was everything all okay very quickly? Was it just because there was a bigger threat? I think so. I think because it, you know, it ends up with them having to be concerned for the safety of the princess and the queen. And then also with the hill giants that Anna's awakened to come and destroy the bridge at this point. You know, they've, they've just got bigger fish to fry than to fight anymore. That's the vibe I got. Yeah. Okay. And I think, I think that makes sense. It was, I felt like a little bit. It was just a little bit strange. Yeah. Um, but I mean, a good plot point having exactly what you're saying of the importance of your past, but then in knowing the truth. Basically, I agree that I feel like it was a, a really great plot point. It was a good lesson for kids. And then in general saying, you need to know your past, but you need to know the whole truth about your past and not just what's been passed through a game of telephone generations till it got to you. Yes, absolutely. I I think, you know, the idea that this is not about um, just completely trusting what you've heard before. The importance is knowing all sides of history and that mm-hmm. they they really do obviously a good job of this because it's not just um, the history that we... We know of, um, you know, these two different nations, but it's also the history of Elsa herself. You know, we we really dig into the history of who Elsa is and why she is the way she is. And, you know, the, the fact that Elsa has always kind of felt like she is so different, it's a little bit of a curse that she has, and she feels like, in many ways, that she's not good enough or that there's something wrong with her or any of those things. And what we find is that nature, the, the, the earth, wind, fire, and water, <laughs> um, the four spirits, there's a fifth. And who Elsa is, is the one that bridges between magic and, you know, the real world. And, um, mm-hmm. We also find out that the reason that Anna doesn't have powers is because it's the two of them together, um, working together. And so I think there's a, I like, I really like how we, we dig into the history of these characters and we answer that question finally for Elsa. And we, in many ways, we kind of free her to be who she is fully. And we also free Anna to be who she is fully. And I think that's, that's a great storyline for both of them, and it really has to do with them. They can only truly move forward with their lives when they know their past, and I think that's a really, right. um, I think that's a really powerful story. I think there was, there's just, well, I don't think, 
I know for me, there was one drawback to that piece of it though, with the elements and um, Elsa being the fifth element. The fifth element. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> I totally didn't think about that, but you're absolutely right. That was all I could think about when they're like, it, but it's you. I'm like, and she's the fifth one and she has That's them all so together. I, she's in the middle. Oh my gosh, she's the fifth <laughs> element. Oh my gosh, you're 100% right. Wow, they just she's basically Lilu. made a, they just made fifth element for kids. Yes. Lilu. <laughs> Oh, gosh. Wow, that's hysterical. Yeah. So, okay, of course, though, I would say maybe most of the audience, I would think, that goes to see Frozen 2 may not have ever seen The Fifth Element. Well, yes, all those kids, but man, you're right. I think a lot of parents are going to, would hopefully pick that, pick up on that as well. Oh, my gosh, you just blew my mind. I hope somebody else does. (laughs) Oh, you're welcome. That's really funny. But, yeah. Okay. I just, that was all I could think of. As soon as they're like, yeah, there was wind, there was earth, there was fire, there was water. I was like, and then there was the fifth. <laughs> I just expected an earth, wind, and fire song to start playing, you know. Um, yeah, no, exactly. That's funny. Um, you know, it's funny uh, because talking about that part of their history, though, I mean, because this movie is, what I liked about this movie, you know, uh, Toy Story 4, in many ways, was a story about, parents coming to grasp with the fact that their kids don't need them in the same way anymore. I mean, that's what that movie is really Mm -hmm. about. And this movie is really about growing up. You know, it's about transitioning from childhood to adulthood and truly figuring out who you are and where your gifts are best utilized and not just for yourself, but for everyone. Um, and so I really liked that because, again, you know, once Elsa and Anna know their past and what has brought them where they are, it sets them free to actually be the best versions of themselves for the present and for the future. And I thought that was great um, because, you know, even in the first movie, you can kind of tell that Anna would probably make a better queen of Arendelle than Elsa would. Oh, yeah. And... You know, now that they've made that switch, it really makes sense. <laughs> it Does it feel like maybe the studio went back and said, you know, I think we made a mistake the first time uh, making Elsa queen. She's not really a people person. I think we need to bring Anna in here and um, she's going to actually relate better to the people. Kind of like uh, maybe an elected official would or something. It just... <laughs> Yeah, it feels better suited. Yeah, well, and the thing with, you know, obviously with Elsa, it it makes sense, too, because there is something otherworldly about Elsa in many ways. You know, she is Mm -hmm. somebody who is more connected uh, to not just her, you know, the the people, but she's connected to, to all parts, you know, like she's on the spiritual plane as well as the physical plane. And therefore, Mm -hmm. she was being hampered from really doing the job she was born to do because she was having to worry too much about just the physical world, really. That's that's the way I kind of put it uh, in my brain. Um, And so, and because she's meant to be almost like that, she's meant to be the, the spiritual bridge between 
magic in the real world or or, or the world, um, the living world. Yeah. And so, you know, it to put it in a, that kind of spiritual context almost, it's like she's meant to be a priestess, not a queen. Right. Yeah. And, and with her, I think that was the thing that really blew me away the most with this movie, as far as a, like a pleasant surprise goes, is that I felt like, I guess, in the first Frozen movie, although I loved it, that it was more about Elsa went off on her own because she felt rejected and then Anna going to save her and that it wasn't really as much Elsa's story of finding herself as it is in this movie. And so the most joyful, wonderful scene to me is Elsa going through the water and taming the horse and riding over to the source of where her powers come from and going through that whole scene with the music to discover that what she'd been searching for all along was herself and that, you know, her she found out that her mother was that tie to the magical world but that you know it sounds kind of cheesy but everything that elsa needed was inside herself and she just had to actually believe in herself and learn the truth of her past and then put it all together and and that way finally have the self-esteem that she needed to be her own person well and i mean that's where that history comes in because that history fills in that those gaps for her so that she can truly know herself. Mm-hmm. You know, um, there's yeah. the famous quote of know thyself. And to truly know yourself, you have to know where you've been so you can know where you can go, where you're going. And by unlocking the past, she's actually able to then unlock the future for herself. Because she, mm-hmm. like you were saying, she truly knows who she's born to be. And I, I think that was something that I kind of liked too. It's like about this movie when it, we're talking about growing up, you know, the gifts that we've been given and the person that we're meant to be is not just for ourselves. You know, it's for everyone. And Elsa had to be able to find the ability to use her gifts, not just for her, because she, she you know, even... Even with her being accepted finally by the end of the first movie and coming to grips with everything, like there was still this part of her that felt disconnected, you know? Um, And part of that is because she wasn't truly able, she wasn't using, she wasn't the best version of herself, you know? Like, um, and she needed to be all that she could be, but not in the army. She needed to be the fifth element like you said, and because that was yeah. truly going to unlock her full potential as a person. And and in many ways, like we were talking about with Anna, you know, Anna is through this journey able to unlock her full potential, which is, is somebody who's much stronger, much braver, and maybe even much wiser than she even thought. Um, Cause she's always been in the shadow of Elsa but she was able to finally come out of the shadow and realize that she can do things on her own. Um, but she was also able to realize that, you know, where I think maybe it it's okay to um, not be so codependent <laughs> with her sister yeah. uh, and to be our own person, 
you know, um, and and so I think that was one of the things I really liked for both of them. It's them growing up. Yeah, and it and I think part of growing up that sometimes people unfortunately have to go through is that feeling of loss in in multiple ways for them. You know, it mm-hmm. was not only losing their parents, but I kind of saw the scene of Anna in the cave by herself as also a a sibling going through their older sibling growing up and leaving home. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great point. So, you know, like you're saying like that having to learn to not be codependent anymore, because that is really hard. I mean, you're, when you're used to having that older sibling always at home with you to kind of guide you or take the brunt of the punishment, if the, the two of you did something wrong or whatever, you always had a buffer and then now you're going to have to just figure it out on your own. It does feel like you've lost someone. Yeah, no, that's a great point. I I think that's something I hadn't even really thought of, but you know, anybody who's had a sibling leave home um, and they've been really close. Yeah, absolutely. You know, because you're, you're losing a close friend, but there's, you know, in many ways there's something even more to it because you're, you're not just, because you're family, right? And and there's right. something there's something different about family. So yeah, absolutely, one hundred percent. And you know, what was interesting there too, because the the third person of the group that we really kind of see, um, you know, having to go through this is also Kristoff, uh, and making that coming to grips with kind of like truly being comfortable with who he is, which is to not be somebody who's uh, and really enjoys being in the limelight or, uh, you know, <laughs> to um, he doesn't want to be the person who has to be anybody who he's not, you know, like he, at the very end of the movie, right. like, you know, where he's wearing the clothes and he's like, you get this for 20 minutes. Like he knows exactly <laughs> who he is and who he's meant to be. Um, but he yeah. also it for him it's that story of transitioning like do i i truly love this person do they truly love me and are we going to be able to give each other and sacrifice for each other in the way that we need uh, to be a good couple and i i liked that storyline because it's very true and it's a part of like growing up and figuring out if the person you think you love actually loves you and you love them in a way that's beneficial for each other or harmful for each other. And that's the story we get mm-hmm. with Christoph. I thought well, that was really nice. Yeah. Uh, second to Elsa's story of finding herself was my love of Christoph's story. And I think he got the best song of the whole movie with Lost in the Woods. So I'm just, I'm putting that out there. I, it's been playing on repeat on my phone from YouTube because I need to just buy the soundtrack. Um, I love that he gets more of the limelight this time and that they go this route and really, I guess lean into the story they were kind of telling before with Kristoff, where he was making fun of Anna for saying, you've only known this guy for a day and you were going to marry him. What's wrong with you? And so then they've shown how you actually get to know someone and then end up falling in love with them because you know everything about them and realize that you care about them, not because you're just smitten in one day. And so then in this movie, they've taken it further and shown that they've got to the point where 
Kristoff is ready to get married to Anna and has to figure out if she feels the same. And then it's it's also really cute for being a person who's married at this point in my own life. Um, I didn't get that feeling that my husband went through of the anxiety of having to ask someone to marry you. <laughs> so I'll never understand that. So seeing that in action on TV actually makes me understand a little bit better and empathize with what someone goes through trying to ask someone to marry them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is, it's definitely nerve wracking, you know, trying to to figure it out, trying to plan it, trying to make it, you know, like, because you want to make it perfect for the person. And I just loved how he's having such a hard time, like figuring out the right words to say. And kind of classically, you know, everything that he says, she's taking the exact wrong way. Um, and, you know, him just trying to, him having a hard time finding the words, you know, to express how he feels and all of that. Yes, I absolutely agree. I really, I love that. And so just kind of watching these characters, obviously, this whole movie really is about these characters growing up. And I really mm-hmm. was, I, I think that's good, you know, because a lot of the kids who liked the original Frozen, they're growing up too, you know, and they're in those places where, so in many ways, it kind of felt like the Harry Potter series where each book kind of grows with the kids that are reading it. Um, you know, this oh, felt like that we're we're making this movie for fans of Frozen and those fans, those original fans of Frozen are quite a bit older now. And so they're in a different place in life. So, yeah, I like that a lot. And what was your favorite song? Oh, it has to be Lost in the Woods. I mean, the fact that they did yes. an 80s hairband song for him and they even did yeah. the cheesy music video style for it. It was 100 <laughs> percent perfect. I loved it. So I'm going to blow your mind again. Uh, I completely um, I was I was thinking in the moment listening to it and seeing the screenshots that it reminded me of a song in particular. And I was going, what is it? I can't put my finger on it. Oh, it wasn't one particular song. It was a band. It was Ario Speedwagon. Oh, yes. yes, that's exactly what 100%. I thought when I heard it. I was like, this <laughs> sounds like an Ario Speedwagon song. And especially with the reindeer chiming in later. Oh, it was hilarious. Um, I do think, for me, that's really the best song in the movie. I, I will say that I feel like the rest of the songs aren't as memorable, as, especially as the original Frozen, and that's always a hard thing to do, especially when you have... Do you want to build a snowman that just became a, you know, um, and let it go. And, you know, um, so, uh, and I love Fixer Upper from that movie. This, I felt like mm-hmm. none of the songs other than Lost in the Woods really kind of struck a chord and like felt super memorable. The rest of them were great, and but they weren't amazing. I, I I'll kind of give a an honorable mention to show yourself um, because I was saying, you know, that was my favorite story arc of the movie. And I felt like it really blew me away how the song paired with the animation. And that's something I want to get to in a minute too, is the animation this time around. But um, I felt like it show yourself really was such a metaphor for Elsa's transformation that it was beautiful in more ways than just the music to me. Yeah. And I think the thing that I really liked in the movie um, on top of the music was when I 
I think of songs, it's not the most memorable song, but when Anna's singing The Next Right Thing, and I think that's my yeah. favorite part of the film. And, and honestly, I think my favorite theme of the movie, you know, when Anna feels lost and she feels like she's lost that person who's her guide, what drives her forward is something that they've said to each other before, which is just to do the next right thing. And I really loved that, this idea of that, even when it feels impossible, the best thing to do, the only thing to do um, is to do the next right thing. And in many ways, that you, what you kind of saw in the movie, too, is like Anna becomes a picture of, you know, when you're in the dark, the only way to go is towards the light. And yeah. she becomes kind of a picture of that, like, almost like spiritual metamorphosis that happens. And I really appreciated watching her. The, the only thing that that she could find that could make a difference was doing what she knew to be right next and then the next and then the next. And and so you just keep taking that next right step. And I thought that that was really beautiful. And especially I feel like in a world where um, it didn't seem like we're just talking about what's right for you. It really felt like we're talking about the difference between like right and wrong, even when it's hard. Yes. Because, you know, for Anna, she knew that she had to destroy the dam. And she knew that that was going to be, that was the hardest thing to do. That was also the right thing to do. Um, and it was the right thing to do regardless of what it meant for Arendelle. And she was willing to sacrifice to do the right thing. And I thought that was such a powerful theme for the movie. Absolutely. I, I think that you've hit the point exactly when you say that it's sometimes the hardest choice to make to do the right thing. But we really, when we think about it, know in the situation what the right thing is and the wrong thing is. It's just that fear and anxiety of, yeah, but in this case, the right thing is a really, really hard choice that I don't want to do because I know it could destroy Arendelle, but I know it's the right thing. So, yeah, I mean, I, I agree completely. I think it was huge that she made that decision in spite of all of the things that she knew would happen and trusted her gut and went with it. And then I also really related her going through that to someone going through grief um, that all you can do is one step at a time. And like you said, do the next right thing. But it, it's because if you take it all at once, it feels so overwhelming. You have to just do it a little at a time. Yeah, no, I, I think you're absolutely right. And and on top of that, I think, you know, we, we got to this this theme of um, love and that, you know, they talk about, you know, with all these things changing, that the one thing that lasts, the one thing that remains is love and that it kind of transcends space and time. It's kind of a very interstellar of them uh, this idea but love here again as in the first movie is the thing that becomes the direct opposition to fear and we saw what drives their grandfather to dislike the north umbra uh, and their magic is kind of this fear of magic and this kind of hate of magic and so it's what 
leads him to create the dam and create this, you know, um, war with them. And so I thought that was really, uh, you know, tying into the next right thing. Love is what allows you then to do the next right thing, you know? Um, and it's not just love mm-hmm. for yourself, but it's it's love for others. And that's where, you know, um, love allows Anna to to do what she needs to do, the love she has for her sister, the love she has for Kristoff and Olaf, the love she has for her people. But she also loves these other people that she doesn't even know. And yeah. I thought that was really cool. And, and uh, I think that you kind of see that with Elsa as well because Elsa sometimes feels like she's so driven by just trying to find the answers to things. Um, and I thought it was interesting that, you know, again, she kind of, that her and Anna work together this time. You know, um, she has to sacrifice herself to be able to find the answer. And then she sends that answer to Anna, who finishes the job, so that they're able to work in concert together instead of it, you know. And and really, it's their love for each other again and their love for other people that allows them to be able to conquer this um, instead of, like, living in fear anymore. And I thought that was really, it was nice to see how that theme kind of continued from the first movie. Right. Like that's the thing that's going to end up saving everyone every time is love and not fear and misunderstanding getting in your way and keeping you from wanting to reach out to people. I think that they did a really beautiful job, too, of making it what you were saying earlier, Matt, where now they're making Elsa ruler of the magical area and um, Anna, ruler of Arendelle, and then that the two of them will continue to work together to keep those two worlds in harmony now that they've learned the truth and brought everything out in the open. I just really thought that was a beautiful thing to add to it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, speaking of the North Umbra, how did you feel about them in the film? I thought that they could have been gotten a little more story um, on screen. I, I think that it was so much about Arendelle's side of things and they didn't really explain a lot about how the uh, Northendra people came to be living there in the first place. Um, they, they kind of told a little bit that they weren't magical people, but that they used the gifts of the magical forest around them. But it, there really wasn't that much three-dimensional character building of that group of people. Um, but, you know, it it was cute that they had um, sort of a one character bond with Anna and another bond with Kristoff and Sven and help him try to do the proposal. Um, and then also having the aspect of the leader of her grandfather's people in Arendelle trying to work with the leader of the Northundra yeah. people now that they know what's going on. But yeah, they're they're interesting. They remind me of like Incas or mm-hmm. like a um Alaskan people. Yes. Yes. Uh the Inuit people. Um no, absolutely. I, I'm right there with you. I, I feel like the North Undra were interesting. I just feel like they're underutilized in the movie. And you know, you kind of you you had the one who becomes friends with Elsa a little bit and Anna and then the one that kind of, you know, becomes friends with uh Sven and Kristoff and, and 
but there's there isn't more to them and and they just they, they feel very um i think shallow as characters because there's no depth to them they're just kind of there yeah. um for other characters not really for them in and of themselves and so that was too bad and i kind of would love to have seen you know and, and i you mentioned all the way at the beginning like having this like what is the dynamic between these people? Because it se- seems like they're at war with each other, but then it seems like they live in the same place. And then you have the captain of the guard for her grandfather. And then the leader of the North Undra people, you had them seem to be very close to each other, you know, and that seemed kind right. of weird. Um, and then of course, you know, he goes back to Arendelle and, you know, meets his long lost love. Um, so it was just it was just strange that that part of the story I felt like needed a little bit more fleshing out. Yeah, I agree. It, it felt very, like you said, shallow kind of surface level, more of a, a means to an end plot wise rather than really developing their story. Yeah. But what what little we got was good and uh, helped to kind of introduce the idea of there being all these different elemental spirits Um I have to say the fire spirit was my favorite. Oh yeah. My uh we uh, my wife and I went with our friend and um she squeed like crazy when the <laughs> little fire lizard, you know. Yeah, that was her favorite. When his fire got put out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um you know, you mentioned the the animation and I definitely felt like you're really on to something because I, the the movie looks gorgeous. Um, even you yes. know, com- just having rewatched the original Frozen, they've taken this to a whole new level. Um, the water effects for the animation were amazing. Uh, that water horse spirit was incredible. Um, the way the leaves would rustle around them and things like that was just outstanding. Um, the scene where the water is cascading down the fjord coming for Arendelle and then she stops it. It was just... It's so cool! You felt like that was real rushing ocean water and it was going to kill everyone. Yes! I absolutely Yeah. No, I'm glad especially that you mentioned uh, specifically with the um, water spirit was apparently called Nock N-O-K-K. That was um, apparently a considerable amount of time spent during animation was just on that creature because they mentioned um, in Moana when they were trying to make the water do certain things on its own, like it's a, it's own personality. They did even more of a stretch with that this time trying to make this water horse creature. So that really impressed me because I noticed it and it looked great. That's um, cool. And then I, I also thought it was interesting um, apparently to create the wind spirit Gale, as Olaf called her, um, they had to actually create a new tool called Swoop. Wow. Which I thought was interesting. Awesome. So, yeah, some groundbreaking animation stuff, which I always love for yeah, trivia. Yeah, 100%. No, I agree with you. I mean, the movie just looked gorgeous. Um, I think just... Just randomly, the last thing that I uh, just just kind of in a the random tidbit uh, of the film, I loved Olaf telling the story <laughs> um, because yes, it yes, felt yes. like Ant Man had a baby with Return of the Jedi, and so it was like you know 
Luis telling the story with C-3PO type of telling the story uh, to the Ewoks. And I just, yes. I loved that. I thought it was really clever and funny and I enjoyed it and I laughed um, the whole time. And then I laughed at the stinger at the end when he finishes the story um, when he's like, and I forget what happened, but it's okay because I'm alive. <laughs> yeah. Or no, I think every time he says, and I live. <laughs> so, yeah. I'm glad you mentioned that because I absolutely did not expect it. Loved it. I think that it's uh, a great new way to involve Olaf in the story because otherwise he's kind of much more of a side character this time, which I think was kind of better story-wise most of the time. But yeah, having him come in and uh, catch people up (laughs) that had been gone for a while was hilarious. And then even adding it again at the end just further yeah. cemented the joke well and i i would say too you know i guess this will just be the olaf, olaf section but um i think that with him they were really skirting the line and they probably went over it uh, a little bit with just how over the top he was about like growing up you know and yeah. i felt like that hit it too much on the nose the carrot i, I think that they should have pulled that back a little bit because there's just a little bit too much yeah, that's a good point, it, because you do feel at a certain point, okay, he's mentioned it several times, we get it, it's about growing up. Yeah, <laughs> and it, it ceases to be funny, like, it's funny the first couple times, but when it's, like, the sixth or seventh time that he's saying it, it's just not funny anymore, so. Yeah. Well, it, so, what would you rate Frozen 2? I, I'm just gonna have to give it a perfect five out of five. I, you know, although I had a couple little nitpicky things it really, really impressed me. And like I said, the soundtrack is on loop in my head. I need to just buy it because I'm going to be singing it every day anyway. So yeah, I give it a five out of five. Highly recommend it. And if you go see it in the theater, make sure you wait for the stinger at the end after the credits. I'd say this is probably 4.25 out of five because I think I gave Frozen four out of five and i actually liked this more than Mm. frozen i think it's a better movie honestly and part of that is because i think there's just more depth and and you know like we said this movie is for a slightly older generation right you know it's about growing up and everything so i really liked that and um, i really enjoyed this where they took the story i think this needs to be the end. I think they need to not make another Frozen. I honestly yes. feel like that because there was even that moment where uh, Olaf is like, "Are we good? Is is this like going to become a normal thing?" And Elsa's like, "No, we're done." And they need to just be done because I feel like the storyline for these characters, they're where they need to be. You know, they don't really have any other room to grow. Um, Elsa knows who exactly yeah. who she is and who she's meant to be. Anna is the same way. She has Kristoff. They're going to get married. You know, this is the point where things can, we can just let the conjecture run in our heads. And we can just have happily ever after for these characters. So, um, yeah. So, yeah, 4.25 out of 5. So, um, but it's time for one of my favorite parts of the show recommendations. So, Christy, what will you recommend this week? I actually kind of struggled this week because at first I was going, oh man, have I been watching anything other than The Mandalorian lately? Yes, uh, I have. And I've got to tell you, if you have not seen the show Supernatural, 
you are missing out. My husband and I were very late to the game because I think it's on its 16th and final season. Wow. But uh, it's all on Netflix. And uh, basically, um, without giving any spoilers, it's uh, the story of two brothers who are um, hunting supernatural things, trying to save the world. And it's got a lot of really great drama and family dynamic of um, these guys growing up and having to deal with their past and all of the scary things that they deal with, um, with all the, you know, supernatural stuff. But it's also got a lot of humor and um, Jared Padalecki and Jensen Ackles play the brothers and are incredible actors. I mean, I really didn't know the depth of it until I saw this. Um, Jared Padalecki was Dean on Gilmore Girls. So it's a much more better use of his acting skills this time. So I, I highly suggest it. It's not for kids, but it's really great. Great show. Cool. That's one that I just have never gotten into, but maybe one day when it's over, you know, I'll take the plunge and, Hit all six. If you like Buffy, you hard. would like this. So, um, yeah. So I am going to recommend DC Universe Titans. I'm really been enjoying the second season. It's really expanded here in the second season, and I can't wait. The we're on the penultimate episode right now, and so I'm really excited to see how this season will wrap up. It's just been a good show. Now this is this is uh, not like the CW shows. It's definitely not for your family. It's an adult show. But I like the seriousness that they take the characters with and just the world that they've created. Um, and I am just really enjoying it. It's, it's been renewed for a third season, so it's going to be back on DC Universe. So I highly encourage you to check it out if you can. Um, if you haven't been watching it on DC Universe, it's worth it. Um, I've enjoyed having the DC Universe uh, app because... They also did a new season of Young Justice. I watched through all the uh, mm. old seasons of Young Justice. I've wa- I got a chance to finally watch through all the um, Justice League cartoons. And now I need to go to Justice League Unlimited because that's been really fun. Um, you know, they got a ton of the DC animated movies on there. And um, so, yeah, it's great. Um, so Titans is definitely my recommend for the week. But Christy, if anybody wants to catch up with you and find you, uh, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Bespin Bell. And you can find me on a couple of other shows. I do a show with my friend Teresa Delgado called Sabres and Spells. We talk about Star Wars or Harry Potter or maybe next we're going to talk about uh, Mandalorian. I don't know. We'll see. Um, We actually just recently talked about uh, Disney Plus, so maybe we'll dive more into Disney stuff. I don't know. And I also do a show called Planet Leia on the Faint the Tracks network with five other women from around the world talking about our, all of our viewpoints on Star Wars topics. And lastly, I also do a segment once a month on the Star Wars Report show called Fashion in Five, where I talk about men's and women's Star Wars fashion. And you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, and Vero under the name MattRushing02. I'm here in the network. I do The Orb with Chris Jones. When we get a chance, we get together and talk about Star Trek Deep Space Nine. I am also on the Nerd Party Network doing two shows. One is called Outpost. To do that with Drea Kaufman. 
we talk about Harry Potter. We do that one chapter at a time. It's been a lot of fun as we're in the Half-Blood Prince right now. You can find me doing aggressive negotiations with John Mills, talking about Star Wars each and every week. It's such a blast, so make sure you check that out. In fact, uh, this week is our annual Thanks Gungan episode where we talk about all of the things that we are thankful for in Star Wars. So it was a lot of fun this week. And last but not least, you can find me doing cinema stories with my good friend Courtney, and that is where we take films and talk about them through the lens of faith. But thank you so much for joining us. And y'all come back now, you hear? Here.